Gar and I, as you know, as we sit here together and, and talk about this, we, we understand accountability and we are accountable for what this team did this year. We don't run away from it. We accept it. Uh, that's that's on us. Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. For me to be here in the NBA organization, such a historic organization that Chicago Bulls, so it's just a dream come true for me. Live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. This is going to be a process. It doesn't, you'll snap your fingers and it all happens at once, but um, that's the plan moving forward. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, Dash Radio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, writer of Bulls Basketball and the NBA at FanRag Sports and College Hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, writer of Bulls Basketball and the NBA at FanRag Sports and the host of the 312 Show on AM 1590 WCGO here in Chicago. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked on Bulls. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Make sure you're following the Locked On Podcast Network on Facebook and Twitter as well. Text and voicemail line 331-979-1369 is the number to call, to text, whatever you want to do. If you've got reaction going into this weekend, still thinking about the Bulls lottery, or now that you've heard some stuff from the Combine, Maybe you've got a question or a comment about who the Bulls should take. We want to hear from you. 331-979-1369. Matt, how are you doing? We've had a pretty good week here on Locked on Bulls. A lot of exciting things, some disappointing stuff as well. How are you leading into the weekend? Anything surprise you coming out of the NBA Combine quotes, uh, figures, just anything from the last couple of days that has really shocked you? Um, no no real shocks that I've seen uh, with all the NBA Combine coverage that's started uh, over the last couple of days. Obviously, a lot of attention around Michael Porter Jr., a name that I feel is very polarizing among Bulls fans. A, a lot of people are hoping that he's the guy that that drops to seven and is there and the Bulls could steal a potential all-star caliber player. And a lot of people are very worried about the injury and his defensive issues and are, you know, more so hoping that Mo Bamba is the one who slides to the, to the Bulls at seven. Those are the two that I've really seen the most hype about uh, from Bulls fans paying attention to this combine. And I think the general consensus is a lot of people are afraid that the Bulls are going to play it safe and take Mikhail Bridges, the wing from Nova, because that sort of fits their their line of how this Bulls front office has drafted in recent years. And it's not necessarily a sexy pick, not an exciting pick, um, but perhaps the the pick that would fit the Bulls' needs the most right now. So those are the three players that are obviously being talked about the most uh, among Bulls fans uh, as the Combine's been going on. I, I mean... I, I like it's kind of disgusting that I, this is what I'm going to say uh, as an answer to what's been surprising so far but and you know don't don't jump on me because I'm not saying I want the Bulls to take this guy but a lot of noise about how well Grayson Allen did 
with just his stop it. Just various stop it. tests at just the combine. I, dude, I don't want him. I don't want him. I'm just saying that guy got a lot of attention for, I guess, being a, a pleasant surprise. People didn't, you know, everybody, yeah, he's just another, you know, a white boy shooter. He's whatever, whatever. The Bulls need to stay as far away as possible. And I don't disagree with that. I, I, I don't want the Bulls taking Grayson at 22, assuming they keep that pick. But... If there's a surprise from the combine, it's how well Grayson Allen was tested. Well, you brought that up. I think that's interesting too. And obviously, you know, the Bulls timeline over the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years has been the four year player. Obviously, this has been kind of the butt of the joke for the last two years with Grayson Allen. I think the one thing that shocked me about the NBA combine, did you realize Mo Bamba had a wingspan of almost eight feet? I think he came in and they measured him at seven feet 10 in 10 and three quarters inches in a wingspan and then he measured at almost seven one so if I was shocked by anything I didn't realize he was that big obviously you look at him play on the floor obviously his wingspan looks ginormous but I didn't think it was nearly almost a foot bigger than actually he is so that kind of surprised me too there I think some of the comments Michael Porter Jr. made as well um not surprising obviously he's gonna have to talk himself up a little bit more because you didn't get to see his play on the court and a lot for the most part I feel like a lot of people are going back to what he did in high school and looking at that body of work rather than maybe the I don't know 60 minutes that he played for Mizzou this year Um, so I was a little bit shocked at Michael Porter Jr.'s confidence and the way he was kind of talking himself up he also did mention too that he feels like he might be a great fit with the Chicago Bulls and obviously I don't know if that's just him saying that in Chicago or just because there's a connection here but clearly I don't know if you've been following him around Instagram or any of that and I know you made fun of me a couple weeks ago when I was talking about that uh, him commenting on Zach Levine's posts and a couple other guys in the Bulls but it's at least worth noting that he feels like he might be a good fit should he slip down to seven um but there was also some other things that I thought about as well like as as talk has started to happen I think the one team that we left out when we were talking about Michael Porter Jr. early on in this week is that potentially Dallas might be interested in him and that might be the only hurdle if the Bulls actually like Michael Porter Jr. there but if they do and if Dallas likes him at five and ends up taking him there we're talking about other guys maybe potentially slipping to where the Bulls are so I think there's a lot still a lot of fluidity with this NBA combine and prospects that are going to be working out for teams over the next couple of weeks Um, and definitely we're going to see some shifting um, from prospects as they continue to work out with teams and teams get a look at I guess who might be the best talent and who might be the best fit especially for the Bulls here yeah I think that's the biggest question right is what Dallas wants who Dallas wants right now it seems like there is a general consensus that in any particular order Luka Doncic DeAndre Ayton Marvin Bagley and Jaron Jackson are going top four. Um, that I mean, it seems to me that that is a given now, uh, the way that they're being talked about. And so the the questions are, does Dallas want Mo Bamba at five or do they want Michael Porter Jr. at five? And then does Orlando take a risk with Trey Young because they you know are in desperate need for a playmaker at the point guard spot? Can they look past his uh, his lack of size and um you know the fact that as impressive as he was defenses kind of started to figure him out when he was playing his season at Oklahoma um do they take a risk on him because of the position of need and 
then depending on whether Dallas takes Bamba or Porter, if Orlando does take Trey Young, then the Bulls are going to essentially there at seven have their pick of either Bamba or Porter, Bridges and Wendell Carter. That's sort of the situation that we're in right now. Um, I don't see any surprises happening in those top four that I mentioned. And uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens depending on who is there for the Bulls, assuming no trade-ups and trade-downs. I don't know about you, Jordan. Like, I I mean, it's hard not to, to listen to how confident Michael Porter Jr. was at these combine interviews yesterday and saying, you know, I... I still feel like I'm the best player in this draft. I feel 100% healthy. Obviously, he's not going to go to the combine and say, yeah, yeah, no, I don't feel great. <laughs> like, obviously, he's going to talk as <laughs> right. confidently as possible. And it's just a it's a really tough question right now, given the bull situation. Do they go with the risky pick? Um, you know, Bamba is a project of a pick, not necessarily risky. That guy is, you know, going to be an elite defender who as we saw some video footage yesterday, is already working on his offensive game and expanding his offensive utilities. He's he's not a risky pick. He's just a project. Mikhail Bridges is a plug-and-play guy. Wendell Carter, also a bit more of a project. And Porter Jr. is probably of that pair, of that group, highest potential ceiling, but the biggest risk. And that's the decision the Bulls are going to have to I make. just want to say one thing about Michael Porter Jr. because I know when we were talking about him early on this week... Um, I think both of you, you and I, had the consensus that it would be a pretty big risk to take on a guy that's had back injuries already at 19. Um, but I want to preface preface it with this because I can't be biased one year and then have the have a different outlook the next year. And I'm talking specifically about a guy that I was I was pushing for in OG Ananobi. You know, he lost his season in February of last year with the ACL injury. A lot of people talked about him as a lottery pick. He slid all the way down to 22 last year. And I remember talking to him and he said he felt like he was confident enough um, that his game was going to speak for itself. He felt healthy enough to come back. So if I'm going to use that same logic here, obviously an ACL is a little bit different than maybe some back injuries. Um, but if, if the health checks out and everything checks out... Uh, this happens every year where guys slide down the board and people are worried that they don't want to take him just because he's had past medical I- issues. If everything checks out, man, I mean, I, I was pushing for saying that OG Ananobi was going to come back and work just as hard. And you look in his rookie year, he had a really, really damn good rookie year for the Toronto Raptors. And I think if you could go back and redraft, he's probably going in that lottery. And so I, I would say that if you're somebody that's sitting out there right now and saying completely no, no way, I don't want a guy that has any type of injury history, especially when it comes to the back. I understand you, and I get it. Same thing with the Zach Levine situation. Obviously, you're going to go throw big money, potentially big money, at that guy this summer, and then you're going to draft another guy that's got back injuries, uh, a questionable concern about lingering back issues. I get that, too. But I just wanted to preface it with that, like because there's prospects every year that have unfortunately have to deal with not being able to play because of an injury or having to overcome that obstacle that maybe front offices, fans, GMs, scouts, analysts talk about and say, you know what, I don't know if there's a question mark here and they end up sliding. So I would just say that, just preface 
um, anything that you're thinking about in terms of medical history until we actually get to see what the Bulls have to say, maybe what the NBA has to say about his health risks. And if he says he's 100% healthy and everything checks out and he slides at 7, I'm fine with that. Now, if we're talking about trading up a couple spots to get him, absolutely not. Uh, if he slides to 7 and the Bulls feel like they want to take him there, I'm cool. The with injury that. risk is a concern, obviously. And I want to believe everything that Porter was saying to the media yesterday, which is that he feels 100% the back is not an issue anymore. Uh, I, I want to believe that, and I want that to be true. And, it, and if he can stay healthy, I think he, he would be consensus number one overall. If the injury concern wasn't there, I think Michael Porter Jr. goes number one. Because he was the projected number one pick. And I think of all of the guys in this draft, talent and NBA superstar potential, Porter's got the highest ceiling. It's just the injury concern. But to me, that that's sort of the, the general narrative right now. It's, oh, oh he, he'd probably go number one, maybe number two, if not for the injury concern. From the Bulls' perspective, the thing that worries me as much as the injury risk is the fact that if the Bulls take him and slide him into that wing spot, small forward, playing next to Zach Levine, defensively, the Bulls are boned. Like, yes, Michael Porter has amazing offensive upside, but you put him next to Zach Levine and the Bulls are going to get scored on 150 points a game. (laughs) Like, I know that Mikhail Bridges is not a sexy pick, but Mikhail Bridges absolutely would help the Bulls in their defensive woes right now in a position where they need a 3 and D wing. Michael Porter Jr. can do amazing things offensively if you slide him in between Levine and Markkinen. That trio at 2, 3, and 4 can put up points at, at the NBA level. I'm confident in that. But my God, if you, th- if you throw him between Levine and Markkinen, uh, poor Chris Dunn. I mean, come on. Really, Chris Dunn and David Nwaba are the only reliable defensive players this team has right now. And we don't even know if they're going to bring Nwaba back. He's a restricted free agent. If they draft Porter, I'm just as concerned about the defense for the Bulls starting five as I am about his injuries. That's, those are fair points. And I think a lot of fans need to take that into account, especially with some of the guys that maybe will be out there. And I had that same concern about Trey Young. Like, if the Bulls were. Con- I mean, if you draft Bamba, your defense right. gets better. He's a project, but your defense gets better. If you draft Porter Jr., your defense does not improve at all. So you've got to weigh the factors and the advantages and disadvantages, and maybe you look to your coaching staff and seeing how they might be able to coach up a guy to play defense. And obviously we know that this is kind of an offensive-first-minded team under Fred Hoiberg, but I'd be interested to see, and you bring up a lot of good points. So those, those are just things that I think fans should think about when they're watching, hearing, listening, seeing these different things coming out of the combine and also from these private workouts over the next few weeks. we got to take a short break here on Locked on Bulls. When we come back, we're doing mailbag for the next two segments. We've got a lot to get into, way more Bulls draft stuff, way more stuff about the NBA combine coming up. Stay right here with us on Locked on Bulls. Be back in 60 seconds. What's up, Los dudes? It's Mike again. Again. Uh, listening to the most recent pod and uh, had a couple comments. that You, you guys are uh, kind of vamping about why Bulls fans are frustrated. 
I honestly, I think a big part of it is that the season was just so painful that it's almost funny at this point to just catastrophize everything that happens. I mean, it's not Garpax's fault that they moved from six to seven, but was it funny to call and leave an email trashing Garpax? Absolutely it was. And I felt better. Um, the other thing is, I think fans would feel better, and maybe you guys can dedicate some time on the pod to this. Um, I think fans would feel better if they had some uh, perspective on how the Bulls scout talent. I mean, God, they go into so much detail in the NFL, and, and, and you know you know what front offices are looking for, and, and I mean, it's crazy. And I think the NBA, you just don't quite get that as much. And I know from uh, for my money, I would love to know what, you know, Gar Foreman and John Paxson look for. How do they evaluate talent? Because I, I just don't have the confidence that they're not lucking into a guy like Lori Marketing. Lowry, sorry, Lowry Marketing. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just, I wish I could think that that wasn't pure luck. That's all. So if you guys have some insight as to what it is that these guys are doing to... Uh, evaluate these picks and separate one guy from the herd, I would love to hear it because I've never heard anybody go into any depth about that process. Uh, or, I mean, even what the hell Gar's credentials are to be doing this in the first place because I just I don't have any confidence. So uh, not trying to be Debbie Downer. Uh, still thrilled with the seventh pick or the fifth pick when we blow that 22nd pick to move up two spots and take Ian Haas or Grayson Allen. Uh, but yeah, you know, let me know. You guys tell me. You're the experts. I can't wait to hear it. Sayonara. All right, so we appreciate Mike for leaving us a voicemail once again. He was the one who kicked us off yesterday with, uh, his little bit of a rant, or I should say two days ago. It seemed like a lot of people enjoyed that and probably can have similar feelings towards that. I know not a lot of people wanted to call in and have the balls that maybe Mike had, but uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate the voicemails here. You bring, Mike brings up a phenomenal question, though. Um, what are, what's Gar Foreman's credentials? What's the history of the way that they scout players, the way that they interact with players leading up to a draft, and sort of the draft history of of the Bulls over since Gar Vorman was hired in 1998 as a scout with the Bulls. So let's just kind of dive into that, Matt, and let's talk about this for a minute. Um, Credential-wise, Gar Foreman, as a, as a player scout, as a um, somebody that, like John Paxson has said over the years, is very good with dealing with agents, going on the road and scouting talent. Overall, how do you feel, maybe even of recently, about his credentials and being able to scout talent and bring them to the Bulls? I think um, among lazy Bulls fans who only remember the negatives and only want to remember the negatives because they're so fed up with this front office, there's a you know, there's this ugly pattern that people assume that Gar Foreman is terrible at drafting and scouting. And yes, the Bulls have had some misses in recent history, and the misses really sting. Obviously, people love to point out the fact that Doug McDermott was a guy that, you know, not only didn't work out and they traded traded him away and got campaign for him and we'll see whether or not campaign becomes a useful backup point guard or not but not just that they they missed on Doug but that they 
traded up to get him and missed out on two very decent NBA players, Yusuf Nurkic and Gary Harris. That's one that Bulls fans like to bring up a lot. Obviously, the Tyrus Thomas for LaMarcus Aldridge swap is another one. Um, and like I think those are the two biggest ones. that that. And then, of course, taking Marquise Teague over Draymond Green when Tom Thibodeau really wanted Draymond Green. Those are the three that Bulls fans always say, oh, my God, I can't believe we did that. I can't believe the Bulls front office is this bad. Okay, yes, fine. In that same, you know, going back to not only when he took over um, as the director of player personnel in 2004, but his six years before that scouting from 98 to 2004, uh, and then all the way to being GM in 2009, Gar had a lot of pretty solid draft picks on his resume as well. I mean, you think about the fact that they got Taj Gibson at 26. How important was that guy to this franchise? Derrick Rose is kind of a no-brainer, but people were talking Derrick Rose or Michael Beasley. Obviously, you know, not only Derrick Rose, people thought should have gone number one, but he he was the Chicago kid, so they weren't going to take Beasley over him. So they don't get a whole lot of credit for that. But Kirk Heinrich in 20, 2007, another great draft pick. Ben Gordon, sixth man of the year as a rookie, great draft pick. And... Recently, Bobby Portis at 22 looks like a steal. They got Jimmy Butler at 30, another steal. For all of the for all the misses that Bulls fans like to to shout about when it comes to this Gar Foreman led scouting team and 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 all and their draft process. Yes, there have been misses, but you cannot you cannot only judge them for the misses if you're not going to credit them for the hits that they've made. I appreciate that and like I, I think about it too in this way, if you want to Give credit Gar- to Gar Foreman for Joakim Noah, for Derrick Rose, for Taj Gibson, James Johnson, Jimmy Butler. I think there's something that maybe some people don't know about the Bulls, especially over the last four or five years. Um, one of their best scouts actually left the Bulls in 2012, and I think that's where you sort of saw a decline in the talent evaluation for the Bulls, especially here in the United States. One of those guys being Matt Lloyd, who ended up going to the Orlando Magic and being an assistant general manager for them there. Um, he was part of this success in recruiting just those guys that I had spoke about, Joakim Noah, Derek Rose, Taj Gibson, James Johnson, Jimmy Butler. Um, another... I would say maybe um, facet to this is a guy that the Bulls still have on their scouting team, and that's Ivaka Dukin. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Obviously, you all know that I can't speak well, um, so I'm terrible with pronunciation, but he's still a part of the Bulls scouting team, and he does most of the international scouting. Um, he's been credited with finding Tony Kukoc, Omer Sheik, and Nikola Mirotic. Uh, he actually did heavy scouting on Luka Doncic. Um, when he was over there. So Gar Foreman has been over there as well. And in 2013, he was named a special assistant to Gar Foreman. Um, so that's still in play there. I think the questions and concerns about Gar Foreman's scouting ability does come into question. I mean, you think about it. I, I was just telling you, like, Cristiano Felicio comes to mind immediately. He was one of the guys that looked pretty decent. Gar Foreman wanted to take a chance on him. And then when Cristiano Felicio had a pretty nice year, he doubled down and signed him to that contract at four years, $32 million, and look what that's turned into. And I think that was part of the pressure um, and the desperation to say, hey, you know what? I know I've missed on a lot of guys, 
and he threw money at a guy that he felt like could turn into something. And while we still wait to see if that ever happens, um, that turned out to be a catastrophe as well. We talk about Cameron Payne. How much did Gar Foreman love Cameron Payne? He talked about how if Cameron Payne had uh, been available where the Bulls were going to take him, that was one of their considerations. Um, so then they went and traded for him. Doug McDermott's another one that they fell in love with. Um, so I think there's a path over the last five, six years to really note that there's a lot of guys that the Bulls did end up missing on. Um, but you look early on in those years, obviously you can't take anything away from um, him drafting Jimmy Butler, James Johnson, Taj Gibson, Derek Rose, Joe Kim Noah, even Ben Gordon. Um, you go all the way back to Kirk Heinrich and some of these other guys that they were able to find. Um, you look at that and he deserves a little bit of credit for that. He also won executive of the year in 2011, but that's not saying he deserves all the credit because he missed huge on some of these guys. Um, he hit on Tony Snell, didn't figure that he was going to do anything, traded him off for Michael Carter-Williams, and then Tony Snell looks like a pretty decent player for the Milwaukee Bucks right now. Um, You look at other guys that he's missed on as well, um, selling off second-round picks as well, Paul Zipser and Cameron Bear-style. You traded Cameron Bear-style for Spencer Dinwiddie, then you cut him, and then you look what happens there. Um, So there's a lot of question marks, especially over the last five years. You can pinpoint a lot more mistakes made uh, by this front office in terms of scouting than maybe hit. That's fair. I mean, I'd say I'd say 50 50 on hits and misses. And obviously, that's not ideal. You you want all of your draft picks to be hits. And if you you know, if you miss on one or two occasionally, you still want a a more than 50 percent success rate with your draft picks, specifically your first round draft picks. And I think that the Bulls are kind of, you know, hovering right around 50 percent in the in the Gar Foreman era. And the other part of Mike's comments slash questions was sort of, you know, what what do the Bulls do? Because it, there's so much secrecy compared to NFL and even some other NBA teams as far as how they go about their their scouting. Um, I think with the Bulls, it's quite simple. They, in the Gar Foreman era, tend to draft very safely what they deem to be taking safe picks over risks. Tyrus Thomas was a big risk, and that turned out to be a gigantic mistake. And I think since then, they have erred more on the side of cautious picks than risky picks. And they like to take multiple-year college players, whether you're talking about Denzel or you know everyone that sort of fits that same mold. And it, they took a one-and-done kid last year because he fit a desperate need and was the best player available. And so now I think you're starting because there's so many more one and dones and where the bulls are, you know, closer to the top of the lottery. Those are usually one and done kind of players. So of, of the guys that they're looking at at seven, Mikhail Bridges is the one who fits the bulls draft mold the most, a guy from a blue chip a blue chip college organization that has several years of experience. And even if it's not several years, they still usually stick to blue chip college programs, which is why Wendell Carter is so high on their board at, as a, another potential pick at seven. I don't, you know, that that's always been the case with Gar and the Bulls and the way that they scout. They, they choose safe and high floor over high ceiling and risky. And, you know, I, I I think coming into this draft as we're talking about, you know, is it Bamba or is it Porter or is it Bridges or Carter? 
I mean, I, I would lean towards if forced to make a bet, they stick to what they do, which is take safe. We'll see. Picks. It'll be interesting to see whether or not. And obviously, John Paxson had told us we're going to take the best available player at seven. Now, obviously, that's open to discussion on whether who they think is the best player available and maybe who the fans think. I don't know if they're necessarily going to agree. And like we had said, it's going to depend on a lot of of maybe who goes in the first five, six picks. If guys like Michael Porter Jr. or Mo Bamba end up slipping, or even if there's a case where Jaron Jackson Jr. ends up falling, that's going to be decisions that the these this front office is going to have to make. And I think the question, the bigger question here is whether or not fans feel like this front office can make that pick and feel comfortable about it. Well, no, <laughs> I, no. I, I mean, I... I, I wouldn't say there is a zero percent uh, among Bulls fans it's who less have than faith 10%. in the, the, the front office ha- making this pick successfully, but it is a very. And low I number. think somebody brought. I mean, Mike brought up the point too about Lowry Markinen and how the Bulls never even brought him in for a workout or anything like that. And that's I, I feel like maybe that's part and cause because the Jimmy Butler trade sort of came up quickly. Um, maybe. Well, yeah, that's I mean, that's the thing too. Like that's what. Again, not a Garpax defender here, but it cracks me up when Bulls fans who are just Garpax haters and nothing more yell, oh my God, they just got lucky with marketing. They didn't even scout the kid. They didn't even bring him in for an interview and a workout. Okay, yeah, that's because they thought they were drafting at 16 and they marketing was always projected to go top 10. So what? What I mean, what exactly is your complaint? Oh, they didn't, you know, no, no due gil- diligence from the Bulls taking the guy that you know that they took at seven. They didn't even scout deck. Yeah, okay. One, they did scout Markinen and they sent scouts to watch him play at his year at Arizona. They did do that. Inform yourself, educate yourself, and they didn't bring him in for a, a litany of workouts and interviews during the combine process because they were picking at sixteen and not in the top ten. Why waste your time interviewing a guy you don't think you're going to get when you can be spending your time more usefully in guys that are in the tier in the range where you think you're drafting? As you said, Jordan, the Jimmy Butler trade tra- uh, changed everything. But to to like judge them for oh well they just got they got lucky with Lowry they didn't even bother interviewing him. Duh. Like why is that, why is that a fault of theirs? Right. And so I think that's to put that into perspective just to kind of wrap this up real quick. Um look, I get it and I'm on the side of the fans too as well. The last 4 years of drafting and the way that they've traded picks and things have sh- shook out, it's been bad. It's been overall really 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 bad. Um somebody that I can point to? I mean the last 4 years I mean, granted, where they were drafting, I get it. Markinen, Bobby, sure, who, even Denzel, who had a hell of a second year. I mean, uh, I mean, come on, you're reaching on that now. Uh, no, and look, I'm, you know, I'm, you're not going to catch me being all like C Red Fred Denzel, <laughs> most improved player of the year. But I'm, I mean, to call the last four years bad. As far as who the Bulls got in the draft, I, I think that's irresponsible. I don't know about that. I, I get it. Bobby Portis and Lowry Marketing, great picks. But think about it, too. Like, Paul Zipser in the second round, which they said they were really, really high on. Paul Zipser, who were high on. And I think that, and I'll get to this point in a second. So I'll give you credit for Bobby Portis, Paul Zipser, sure. Um, You picked guys like Doug McDermott. Okay, yeah. Doug in 2014 was really bad. 
Trading Doug for, you know, trading Nurkic and Harris for Doug was was really bad. I'll give you that. Another second round pick in Cameron Bearstow, which you ended up trading for nothing. Obviously, I don't think he was going to be really a part. They drafted Tony Snell at 20 and then decided, okay, Michael Carter-Williams is going to be the guy and went and traded for him. So that's not a good look either. Selling your second round pick, which everybody loves to bag on, and we've done it sure a plenty of times here. That turned out to be Jordan Bell. Um, I, I think the way that Gar Foreman went to the media over the last two or three years, and that might just be because he's not very good with the media too, the way he backed guys like Cristiano Felicio and the the way that he was backing guys like Paul Zipser saying that they were really high on these guys. Same thing with Nico Miritich. Um, I think irked fans the wrong way. And when you start talking about these guys like they can all of a sudden be impact players and well, players that you can actually build a roster for the future to, towards the playoffs and be competitive, I think is a little ridiculous. Okay. There's some truth to that, but to be fair... Cristiano Felicio was an impact player last season. You're talking about 2016-2017, correct? Yeah, not this season that just ended. Last season, the season that led to him signing that contract. And I think four four years 32 might have been a bit of an overreach and a bit of an overpay. But you can't deny that the Felicio we saw in the 2016-17 season was absolutely an impact player. I guess a little bit. I mean, nothing that really moves the needle for me in terms of whether or not he was like a game changer or anything, but I get it. I get it. Like, I think the thing that pisses me off is that Gar Foreman doubled down on this guy thinking that this is going to lighten the pressure from him if he ends up turning out. And it so far it hasn't worked out. I still will give Cristiano Felicio maybe another year to figure things out, see if he can bounce back from this awful year. So wait, you you you're saying that you think that Gar signed Felicio to that four-year extension to lighten the pressure on him from the oh, fan base? Not from the fan base, but... Hope, hoping that he would pan not, out? Not from the fan base, but overall, the pressure of, of missing on picks. Think about... Like, Cristiano Felicio was Gar Foreman's guy. He was his guy. He brought him in. He convinced the front office that this guy should can be a talent. They can fix him. And they can do things with him in order to turn him into a great pick. When they saw his rookie year, like you had said, that he was a productive player, he doubled down on that and said, all right, let's sign him and let's develop him now. And that didn't work last year. And maybe that was the pressure that Cristiano Felicia was feeling from the contract. But still, yes, I totally believe Gar Foreman doubled down on this guy to turn him into something to, to get credit for it. Because look at the last, like I said, four or five years, picks that they've missed on, picks that they've traded away, guys that they... They drafted, were here for a year or two, and then decided to dump without really saying whether or not they were going to develop him. And you didn't get anything back for most of these guys. So that's where I think the frustration is. And yeah, I think that that in part, okay, I mean, with you- a lot of other things, ended up pushing Gar Foreman out as far as like the face of the media and talking about these guys because it's idiotic. Like you think about it, to to sit there, you you keep say- you keep saying all these misses in the last four or five years. I, I don't I don't understand. Okay, we've we've been over the fact that yeah, the Doug draft year was Bobby bad. Portis and Lowry Markinen are really to me your only solid quality picks right now. Sure, maybe you can throw Denzel Valentine in there as well, but that's still a lottery pick. Um, you throw him in there, sure, three picks there. Still missed on a ton of guys, and the guys that you did take in 2013, 2015. They're gone. They're gone, and you got nothing for them. And if you want to go, all no, Bobby Portis. They took in 2015. He is very much still here. I'm sorry. 14 was Doug. 13 was Tony. And Snow. then 
I mean, if you want to walk it back all the way to 2012, Marcus Teague. Yeah. That might have been one of the worst picks of all time. That one was awful. Bulls TV joined by Gar Foreman, who pulled off a heist tonight. Uh, low first round, 29th pick overall. And there is Marcus Teague on the board. So when you saw him fall, you saying to yourself, wow, this is too good to be true? Well, we were excited about it. And, and obviously, you know, I know it's the old cliche and everybody says we didn't expect him to be there. But we truly didn't expect him to be there. And... Uh, when he was there, we were excited about it. We uh, obviously feel he can be a real asset to us. We, we think he's a value pick. And the Doug one was bad. But, but, but do you hear what I'm telling you, Jordan? You keep saying, oh, like, like most of the last four or five years picks. Okay, Markkanen, this very most recent pick on the team, looks like he's a potential perennial all-star. Bobby Portis and Denzel Valentine, role players off the bench, the two most reliable players off the bench for the Bulls all season long. I, look, I, I, I'm not trying to paint a beautiful, you know, twilight or, you know, a, a beautiful, you know, sunny sky picture here. But you, you keep talking about the recent years being draft busts when look who's on this roster right now. The last three years, Lowry, Bobby and, and Denzel are all projected to be a part of this new core that they're building. And you can have your various skepticisms, but you can't call the majority of the last four or five years draft bust when three of those guys right now project to be a big part of this team's future. All I'm going to say is Jordan Bell isn't on this roster. Yusuf Nurkic isn't. Who the fuck cares about Jordan Bell? Oh, my God. Yusuf Nurkic isn't on this team. Gary Harris isn't on this team. Spencer Dinwiddie, who you traded Cameron Bearstow, isn't on this team. Tony Snell isn't on this team. Uh... Michael Carter-Williams is not on this team. Doug McDermott is not on this team. Instead, what did you end up with? Cameron Payne. So, I mean, if the argument is, well, yeah, you got three great pieces. Great. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that Bobby Portis and Larry Markkinen are working out. Great. But what about the other six, seven guys I just listed off that had some attachment to these draft picks? Like, think about it. Just sit back and think about it for a minute. I mean, you 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 talk you talk about the Bulls like they're the only team in the league that misses on draft picks and not who, whose whose entire roster is not comprised of all draft picks that worked out great for the organization. That that happens across the league, Jordan. I agree. I agree, and I'm not saying that it doesn't. But we're talking specifically about what what is going on with this front office and that's really all i care about i get it it happens in the league all of the time but for me over the last 5 4 5 6 years there's been a hell of a lot more misses and ideas and trades and things that they think were going to work out that didn't and maybe partly they they took risks and maybe partly they decided not to take risks i don't know i just if if we're going to wrap this entire thing up I'm with the fan base in saying that I, I would hope, like John Paxson had said, take the best player available at seven and not lie to us. And then with 22, then we can talk about maybe the more quality scouting that is going there. And yes, they've hit well on best, best player, best player their rookie year or best player NBA career potential. See, like that's that's the difference. And I don't I don't have a crystal ball or anything, so I can't tell you that. But Hey, yeah, exactly. You know who else doesn't have a crystal ball? The Bulls scouting team. <laughs> Anybody in the Bulls front office? Anybody anywhere? All right. Well, 
I, we spent way too much arguing about this, and I get it from your point too. And the back and, and look, I look just you know, yeah. To wrap that up, I'm not I'm not trying to be some great staunch defender of the front office and their recent draft history. I'm just saying you can't say that everything they've done in the draft in recent years is garbage. I agree with you. No, I completely agree with you with that. And that that's the irresponsible take that so many Bulls fans have that pisses me off. I'm just playing devil's advocate because it's not all garbage. And you and and when you talk about like why is this front office still employed? How they not been fired? How do they have any faith in their abilities in scouting and drafting? Yeah, the last four or five years have been a little rocky with guys like Doug and Tony and Marquise Teague, but before that, all of the hits that this same Gar led scouting team made. The Ben Gordons, the Kirks, the Lou Walls, the Tajes, the Joe Keems, the Jimmies. All of those guys, if you're gonna if you're gonna slam them for Teague over Draymond, you're gonna slam them for giving up Nurkic and Harris for Doug, you have to credit them, especially for finding talent late in the first round. And that's why I want them to keep that twenty second pick. Taj at twenty six, Jimmy at thirty, the list goes on and on. Bobby at twenty two. You can you can be mad about the misses, but you cannot deny that this Bulls front office finds talent late in the first round. You can yell at them for trading away second-round picks like candy on Halloween night. Fine. They find talent late in the first round. Cannot deny that. I won't deny that. Not to say that I'm very excited about people saying that they can find talent in the back half of the first round. I want them to be able to find the superstar. Like That's, I think, what we're missing here is... Do the Bulls have the ability to find the guy that's going to turn into the superstar? And I feel like you and I, maybe I'm wrong, but you and I, I think, have the same consensus that they have struggled with that, finding the guy that can turn into the superstar. What I mean, yeah, because they haven't had a, a number one pick since Derek. The superstars go top three, and that's a different conversation about how the Bulls kind of screwed themselves. And are picking seven now instead of in the top three. But I mean, what are you going to judge him for not finding a superstar with the Doug McDermott pick? For not finding a superstar with the Tony Snell pick? Come on, the the you know the occurrences where a superstar player is born outside of the top three of the NBA draft is slim to none. You're going you're gonna to judge them for not finding superstars in the teens and the 20s. I mean, they had a couple lottery picks like over the last five years. I get it. They were late lottery picks, but still, I mean, we've talked about it. We talked about it. Yeah, late, we, late, but late we talked about lottery this picks. Couple- the reason that people go in the top three is because they have the superstar potential and they're the top tier players and then there's a drop off after, drop off after them. Some years that drop off of top tier one is later than others and sometimes it's really short. But it's not, it's not like the Bulls are alone in the fact that they haven't found a superstar drafting in the teens and the 20s. Give me a break. All right, we spent way too much time screaming and arguing about uh, this specific topic, and I think we could probably spend the next month and a half just straight episodes of just going back and forth, and whether or not the fan base is all going to come consensus to agree on it, that'll never happen. That will literally never Some happen. Some evidence that this started out as a debate show about <laughs> the polls. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Let's get to some other questions, Matt. Uh, Okay. This one comes to us from Sam in L.A., one of our regulars. What's up, Sam? Um, 
I know the focus is on the seventh pick. We just spent a lot of time talking about that. Uh, but who are you guys looking for at 22? I saw some mock drafts having the Bulls pick some wings uh, with that 22nd pick. Uh, thanks, question, Sam. Jordan, I'll, I'll let you take this one first. All right, to kind of answer that question, I think there's a lot that's going to factor into this. One, I mentioned in on the show earlier this week that maybe Mitchell Robinson would be some somewhat of an interesting pick if he had slid down to 22 just because he was touted as a top five prospect going into college, had that weird thing go on with Western Kentucky. But we found out, too, that he's withdrawn from the NBA Combine, so not really sure what that means, whether or not either teams are not interested or he's already gotten a commitment. I would maybe fall to the former, saying that maybe teams are just really not interested. He's had some questionable character issues as well, um, and a big-time project that he would be. I have a, I have a interesting scenario for you, Matt, though. Um what if the Bulls take that 22 pick and try and move up a couple picks just with the 22 pick? Because I feel like there's a guy that might be available in the late teens that I would love. And we've talked about earlier on with maybe even Ricky O'Donnell, I think, brought this guy up back in February. And that's Lonnie Walker from Miami. He's having an incredible, incredible combine um, from just from what scouts and people that are covering the combine right now are saying. And some people feel like he could end up being one of the best players in this draft when it's all said and done. So if Lonnie Walker's there in the late teens, I would be pretty intrigued if the Bulls went and said, hey, if they can throw maybe to a team that wants Justin Holiday or maybe a team that's looking for a center in Robin Lopez or maybe you do a future protected pick uh, to move up and maybe take Lonnie Walker. Well, for one thing, I don't think Lonnie's going to be there in the late teens. I think Lonnie's going to go 11 or 12 or the early teens. I think he's going to go, you know, I, I, I could see the Clippers taking him. Um, so if because Clippers have 12 and 13, if they don't take Lonnie with one of their two picks there, that means that they traded those picks away um, or he's already gone at at 10 or 11. I, that's how much I think Lonnie is helping his cause right now and how much people really are high on this kid right now. Um, so if the Bulls really wanted him and wanted to try to trade up to one of those Clippers picks, I mean, good luck. Good luck coming up with a package of stuff that the Clippers want. And that's, you know, a huge part of why I was, you know, foaming at the mouth, yelling at you earlier this week, saying people need to shut up about the Bulls trading up because it's just not realistic. Oh, oh, there's whispers that Memphis and Atlanta both want to trade down. Whoopty friggin' do. They will both expect a huge package in return. And what what are they what are the Bulls gonna give them? So, I mean, to me, yeah, Lonnie Walker's a great player realistically can the bulls trade up to be in a position to take him no i don't think it's realistic to answer sam's question you mentioned mitchell robinson i like him but as you said there are some concerns now that he's withdrawn uh i saw something that says you know he's a huge project more of a project than people thought instead of early 20s now he's projected like maybe he'll fall to the second round um janan musa the bosnian kid who's been playing in the croatian league would be a great offensive wing for the bulls um, he's projected to go late teens, early 20s. Anthony Simmons, the, the five-year high school product, is in, in that same range. I don't love him. Like I don't think the, need, the Bulls need to add another shooting guard right now. To me, the one who would be a great prize for the Bulls at 22 is the Cincy wing, Jacob Evans. I think he would be a perfect fit. He's a versatile player offensively and defensively, which is exactly what John Paxson has been talking about all week long. Uh, he's got good length for the combo shooting guard, small forward position, and he can shoot the ball well. Shot 
uh, at his uh, his college days in Cincinnati. So that to me is the prize. If if Evans of Cincy is there at twenty two, that's who I want the Bulls to take. I've got one more for you. Um, a guy that uh, seems to have a lot of volatility in whether or not he's helping improve his draft stock or not. I've seen him as low as the se- a second round pick at number thirty seven to as high as a potential. Uh, back-end lottery pick, and that's uh, Keita Bates-Diop from Ohio State. And he's a four-year junior. He won Big Ten Player of the Year this year. He came into combine going at six eight and a quarter, and then a wingspan of seven three and three quarters. He's got a body body fat percentage of under five percent, which is absolutely bonkers. So if if the Bulls, the way that their narrative has gone over the last five years and how they really like a lot of these guys that stay in college and are productive and develop their game there, I think this guy makes makes a whole lot of sense. They need wing help so badly. He averaged 19.8 points per game. Pretty solid defender, too, for Ohio State last year and was a big reason why they were ranked for the majority of the year. So. I don't know if he's going to be available at 22, and it'll depend. But right now, from what we're hearing from the NBA Combine, he's been helping his draft stock a ton. So I don't know whether or not that's to get out of the late first round, really the last three or four picks or the early second, to maybe move up to the middle teens. We'll see. But I, I'm I'm a pretty big fan of him as well if the Bulls decide to go with maybe a big. Um, and even if they do select two wings in this this draft at 7 and 22, I'm not all that mad. But I think uh, Keita Bates-Diop is also somebody that should be on Bulls fans radar I I would I I don't disagree with you I like him but again just like Lonnie Walker I think he's gone by then I I, I mean I think he goes in the mid to late teens interesting so I I'm very curious yeah I see if maybe some some uh teams that are ahead of the Bulls are interested in him too and that just means that maybe there was guys that people were high on initially that might slide down to 22 we can talk about all of that next week as well as we can kind of get more of an understanding of what teams uh, see over the next two days here Friday and Saturday as the NBA combine finishes up and workouts kind of start um, so we can definitely get, get into those conversations but I, like you had said I think you're right not only about Lonnie Walker but Kata Bates D up that they both have helped their draft stock tremendously over the last couple of days being here in Chicago. So we'll see what happens. All right, Jordan, let's wrap up with this one. Uh, This one comes to us from Bruno in Tampa, Florida. Do you think the Bulls would call the Raptors to trade DeMar DeRozan for the seventh overall pick, the 22nd pick, and Bobby Portis? Maybe another young player also. My my answer to that one is 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 short and and simple. I don't think the Raptors make that trade, and if I'm the Bulls, I don't make that trade. (laughs) I think the Raptors value DeMar DeRozan too highly. This guy's a starting all-star coming off of this season, and as much as he just choked in the playoffs, I think the Raptors, as much as people are talking about maybe blowing that up, they think that DeRozan is more valuable than 722 and Bobby Portis. I, I think that they would they would think that he's more valuable than that. From the Bulls' perspective, I don't want DeMar DeRozan. What, do you want another shooting guard? You're about to re-sign Zach Levine. DeRozan's 28th. I think he's overpaid over the next three years. And... I you know I, if I'm the Bulls I don't make that move and if I'm Toronto I don't make that move that that's just my take yeah that's my thing if if, if you're gonna try to go out and get an All Star I mean if if Kawhi Leonard's on the board like I would rather try and throw everything I could possibly throw at the Spurs to go get a superstar instead of Demar Derozan 
I, I'm just not a huge ga- uh, fan of DeMar DeRozan's game. Um, I think, like I've said a million times, I think he's playing in the wrong era. And also, too, think about this factor, too. I know there's a lot of rumors about him going, like, could potentially get traded out of there, whether or not they want to break up Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. But they also just fired Dwayne Casey, too. So I'm wondering if maybe Toronto's just sitting back and listening to offers and whether or not they, they pull the trigger on something is remain to be seen. But I'm, I'm with you, too, Matt. I don't... I, it, this doesn't make any... To me, it doesn't make any sense. We're talking about maybe taking a step backwards in terms of um, overall why we traded Jimmy Butler. Like, I'll go back to that even. Like, why would we trade Jimmy Butler then if you just want to bring DeMar DeRozan in after one year uh, of, of a rebuild? Well, same thing with Kawhi Leonard. I think the hardest part as a fan and I understand it and I feel it too is being able to be patient I know it's very hard to do that with this front office as well Um, being patient and sort of seeing this process out for more than maybe one year uh, before we get starting to hit the panic button saying we got to trade for all these stars Um, I, I would say be cautious with that and just kind of see where this plays out um, I like some of the young pieces that the Bulls have here, and we'll see what happens with, with Zach Levine over the next couple of years, but to trade and go out for these All-Stars when you've only been in year one of the rebuild, I don't know what that does in order to better you and get you closer to being able to contend for a championship year in, year out. Like you had said, DeMar DeRozan's owed a ton of money, and he's 28 years old, and how does that help yeah. you? Yeah. 28 years old and is over the next three years owed 27.7, 27.7, 27.7. That is a shit ton of money and for that player. would you think, would you agree with me on this, that at the point of DeMar DeRozan's contract year, say the Bulls did trade for him, that's really where I feel like Lowry Markkinen, maybe Chris Dunn, whoever, um, they wouldn't have their draft pick in this scenario. But those two guys, especially, and Anzac Levine, you were hoping to just start to take that turn into their prime. And at that point, what did you waste all that money on DeMar DeRozan for when maybe you could have been stockpiling younger assets to continue to keep this team together? Um, So like you had said, I'm out on that deal too. And if there is any scenario in which they're going after an all-star, then go after Kawhi Leonard instead of a guy like DeMar DeRozan. Not happening, bro. (laughs) I know. I I know. I know it's not (laughs) happening and I don't really want it to either. I don't really want it to either. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think Kawhi stays in San Antonio. I think they work it out. Really? Yep. Really? Yep. Dude, That's that that franchise. I, I, I know it's all been so you know overblown. What's going on and the the fallout. I, I, I think they work it out. And even and even if they can't and they got to trade them somewhere, what do you think the Bulls can offer them the best return package? <laughs> no, no, absolutely, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So I'm with you. The Celtics have way too many, too much assets if they want to go out and get him. The Sixers have a ton of assets too. So, yeah, the Bulls will be third, fourth, fifth, and wide in that in those trade packages. Well, that's gonna about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Remember, if you want to join the conversation with us, we do mailbag every single week. This is kind of special. We don't normally do this on Fridays because of the lottery and some of the interviews that we had this week. Had to shift things around, but three three one nine seven nine one three six nine is the number to call and text. We'd love to hear your voice. So send us some voicemails as well as the text. They continue to flood in, so we appreciate everybody interacting with us on the text line, especially on social media as well. Follow us up at Locked on Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked on Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Make sure you're following the Locked on Podcast Network on Facebook and Twitter as well. Dash radio, dash radio dot 
NoThingButNet.com and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel. We're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. For Matt Peck, for Jordan Malley, have a wonderful weekend, Bulls Nation. We are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com, part of FanRag Sports.